Good morning, Grantham Church. It is Sunday, March 29th, 2020. Uh, welcome to Church Online. Uh, this is how we are doing church during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we're not closed as a church, as I've been saying, but we're just doing it differently. And we've put together a page on our website at granthamchurch.org under resources. You'll see the page Staying Connected, COVID-19, Staying Connected. And there, and so if we continue to add to this page, you'll see how it is that we're doing church, ideas that we are suggesting that you follow, uh, whether it, it is Sunday morning with the worship liturgy that we provide through email, or if it's discipleship ideas, how to uh, continue to deepen your faith and your walk uh, through, through this pandemic as we are all, most of us, in our homes and having to stay there. So I want to encourage you to check out that page if you've not done that already. And just remember that there are lots of ways that we are trying to think creatively about how to stay connected to one another. And one of the ways is our midday prayer uh, with me on Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Facebook Live. We're also taking stories and ideas and things that you're doing as a church and putting, putting them on Facebook on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And folks, if you're not on Facebook, I want to encourage you to do that now. Uh, we don't know, Lord knows, how long uh, we're going to be uh, in this situation with this virus. And so I wouldn't sit around and wait for things to get back to normal. This is the new normal. So I want to encourage you to do that. Encourage you just in general to use technology. As I said last, last week, we... We can't replace incarnation, right? We were created to be with each other in the flesh, but thank God that we have some of these wonderful tools of technology to be able to connect together as a church. So uh, if, if you're not one that's usually engaging much with technology and with social media and being online, I want to encourage you to do that now. You please get connected, stay connected on our website, stay connected on social media through our Facebook page primarily and through Zoom with your small groups and with your friends. We, we have on that Stay Connected page um, uh, ways that you can learn how to do this, people to connect with, people that are ready to get on the phone with you and teach you how, how, to, how to utilize these, these resources. Also just want to let you know uh, that the church staff is working hard, continuing to innovate in these changing times and how to respond to growing needs. Uh, if we're listening to some of the experts, they're saying this isn't the crisis. The crisis is coming in two or three weeks. And so we want to be ready for that. So we're continuing to think about how do we do church differently. And in a lot of ways, folks, think about this. I mean, we are in this moment having to totally rethink the way that we're doing church and transition to a new way of being the church where we can't come into the public space and we are just now all in the personal in the intimate spaces and social spaces if you're in a large group zoom calls for example and 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 that's good I mean it's good because it's pushing us back to what the early church was all about and so we need to we need to uh, capitalize on that opportunity not waste this opportunity that God may be wanting to teach us some things through this and and most of all how we need to be better connected, how we need one another, amen? That's, that's what our staff is thinking about. How do we do that? How do we lead during this time? And as you saw in, your, in the pastor's email this past week, the staff will be calling you. Uh, everybody, we hope for everybody to get a call from a staff member to check in and see how you're doing, 
Uh, is there anything that we can help you with? And how can we pray for you? Just let you, let you know that we are here, that we're thinking about you, that we're praying for you. So that's what I wanted to say. And just say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support and your, mil- your willingness uh, to move with us in being the church differently through this, through this pandemic. Thanks, church. So we come to the time of the prayers of the people. Uh, these are our prayers. And one thing I have noticed in sitting down to put together this list uh, for the prayer is that it seems to get longer, and that may be the way that it needs to be for now, right? That we take the time to pray for those things uh, that our, our hearts are burdened for, those people that our hearts are burdened for. And so I want to ask you uh, to join me in prayer, and if you find that there's something I've left off this list, well, you feel free to say those things out loud to the Lord as well, even as I pray. Church, would you join me in prayer? Father, we need you so desperately. Lord, we are being sensitized to that need, that we need you, that we need others. And God, we pray now as a church that you would remind us that you are with us in real, tangible ways. Father, I pray that you would uh, show us what it means to be your people at a time like this. And we come to you, God, with so many cares and concerns and requests. And Father, we begin by praying for our church leadership. We pray for our pastors, for Pastor Dave and Dan and Denise and Matt, for Lisa Mays and Ed Mays and Jill Stauffer in the office. God, give us what we need to lead during the challenges that we're facing. Father, for our church board, we pray for Rebecca Basinger, Dan Alonzo, Dave Warren, Cheryl Wolf, Patty Hess, Brian Zweiker, Rochelle Doherty, Rachel Morey, and Tim Lyon. Lord, be with the board. Give them wisdom and discernment during these times. God, for the deacons, our deacons, Roger Sider and Ellie Yoder, who lead the deacons as they give direction to all of our deacons, we pray that our deacons will receive strength and courage and hope, empowerment from you to minister to our congregation during this time. And God, we do want to stop and give you praise and thanks for all the many good things that we have that you've given us for family members, family members who are well, for some of us who are still able to work our jobs from home. And God, we give specific praise and thanksgiving to you for Dwayne Johnson being able to go back to work. We, we know that he was called back to work this past week after being laid off. Thank you, God, for that. Father, we thank you and praise you for Bill McNichols' brother Sam, who's, who's already doing better. And, and, and we know that's partly, if not wholly, to do because of our prayers, that his blood clots and his legs are much better, his kidney stones are gone, his diverticulitis is on the mend. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Church, if you have other things that you want to thank God for in this moment, just give that thanks to God. What are you thankful for? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray for specific people in our congregation, for Dave McBeth's son, Tim 
who is a FedEx courier in Colorado Springs who he believes has coronavirus. We pray for Tim and his healing. We pray that his wife Maria, who has asthma, will not encounter health difficulties as a result of her exposure. God, we pray for Beth and Mike Huffnagel. We pray for their, their granddaughter, their neighbor's granddaughter, their neighbor's granddaughter, Nora Rose, who's one year old and has been hospitalized for the flu. We pray for Nora's healing and for wisdom for the doctors. For Jerry Stata, God, we pray for his immunoglobin infusions uh, on the 26th. We pray that this leads to, uh, to healing um, and, and, and at least give the doctor some further insights as to next steps. And I know Jerry has, has suffered so much in the last couple of months. Give him, give him your peace. Give him your healing, Lord. Regenie Johnson, we remember, who has stage 4 lung cancer and continues to struggle with weakened immunity and low energy. We pray for Jeannie and her family, for Roger, for their entire family. Give them your peace. In some real way, Lord, let them know that you're with them. God, for Messiah College, we continue to pray for Kim Phipps and Randy Basinger, all of the administration, the faculty, and the students. We pray, God, that you would give them wisdom as they lead during this difficult time. For Michelle Lowe, we specifically pray for this Messiah student who's come to Grantham, who now needs to return to Malaysia and make several stops on the way. We pray for her safety. We pray for her protection and for peace. We pray, God, for all of our doctors, nurses, caretakers, researchers, and first responders in our church and in our community. We continue to pray for folks in our congregation like Ange Wenger and Heidi Curry, Christina Weber, Aaron Brinzer, Jody Smiley, Mar Marnie O'Donnell, and Cheryl Wolf, God and others. We pray for those leading in other industries like Dan Alonzo, who's on the COVID-19 task force for the giant company. Give all of these people, Lord, your strength and encouragement. God, for our neighbors and our community, Jesus, we we pray for all those who continue to work in life-sustaining businesses. We thank you for them and want to ask that you protect them and give them your strength, that they would know your presence. Bless those who work in hospitals and pharmacies and grocery stores and postal services and gas stations and in churches. God, for those who are keeping things going, who are there for us, we thank you for them. We pray for them. For local, state, and federal government officials making difficult decisions, we pray for them including leaders with the CDC, the WHO, and the Pennsylvania Department of Health. We pray for them. God, we ask that you would be with people making decisions that affect the lives and futures of our families, communities, countries, and the wider world. Inspire, Lord, and invigorate people, developing better tests to diagnose this virus, vaccines to prevent it, and protocols and communication to eliminate the disease's spread. And God, help us as, as a people in, of, of this nation to take this seriously, to love ourselves and to love our neighbors by staying home. Lord, for those who have been infected by COVID-19 and those who have lost loved ones in our state and, and our country and around the world, for those who are in quarantine, for the elderly, high-risk people, people of all ages who have chronic health conditions that make, make them high-risk, God, protect them from harm and bring them comfort in this time of uncertainty. God, we pray for the brethren in Christ. We pray for Alan Robinson as he leads our denomination's response. We pray for Bishop Bob Beatty as he's directing and encouraging pastors now in our conference. We pray for BIC ministries across the U.S. as they deal with challenges of the health crisis. We ask for wisdom, peace, and health for residents and staff at Pacific Lifeline and Upland Manor in California and Paxton Ministries and Messiah Village 
God, we pray for health and peace for Paxton as they meet the needs of the people they care for. We pray for BIC camps and retreat centers as they deal with decisions need to be made and loss due to loss of income related to cancellations. Lord, for our missionaries, God, as I just had the Bundys outside my window yesterday, talking with them and thinking about them and what they're going through as they're at the missionary house, burdened for the Madrid congregation who's being directly affected by the health crisis in Spain. Lord, we know that at least one person is suspected of having the virus. Family members, neighbors, friends, co-workers are sick and are even dying. God, we pray for them. Church members that live in tight apartments, sometimes shared by many people. Many church members have lost work or required to risk their health by working to serve others. God, we pray for their economic, psychological, spiritual, and physical health. For the Owen family in Malawi, we pray for them as well. Give them your peace. Give them your wisdom. And Lisa Hernandez in the Middle East, peace and wisdom. God, we pray for Phil and Elaine Tuma, who are at Macha Hospital in Zambia, probably watching this service with us now. We pray for their peace and protection. Give them strength and wisdom as they serve the people there at Macha. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Zimbabwe during this pandemic. We pray for the government to have wisdom in making decisions that, which will save the lives of many people. Health services already struggling to meet daily needs, we pray. We pray for wisdom for church leaders as the number of people allowed in any gathering there has been reduced. God, for the church around the world, we pray for your Holy Spirit's power and anointing to be the hands and the feet of Jesus for such a time as this. God, give us your imagination to see how your spirit has worked in ages past during times like this. You can work again in mighty, powerful ways. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of the, these, this opportunity that we have to be the, 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 the faith, to display the faith and the hope and the love of the church. The hope that we have in, in, in the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, the, the hope that we have in simply knowing that you suffer with us even as you are now bringing your kingdom in the darkest of times. God, we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray, believing that you hear this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, church. Hey, remember that we are in Lent, and uh, while there's no good time for a pandemic, it is interesting that it happened in Lent. Because Lent calls us to remember our own mortality. It is in Lent that we give things up so that it sensitizes us to our need for God. Uh, and notice this, that it isn't just Christians participating in Lent this year. I mean, it's the whole world is being forced to participate. So, so it's calling people to think about things they normally don't think about, good and bad. To have conversations maybe that uh, they've not been having with their friends and with their families. So uh, we have an opportunity, right, to lead 
the the world and how to do this. Uh, so so think about that with me. Uh, we are in Lent. And as I said before, we're going to stay in Lent until we're back in this building. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to recognize the church calendar. Like this Sunday, uh, this next Sunday is, is Palm Sunday. And that ushers us into Holy Week. We're going to recognize that. But, uh, of course, in two weeks when we are uh, at Easter on the calendar, we're not going to celebrate it in quite the same way. We're going to keep that, that Lent tone. So, as I said, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, but it's also the first Sunday of the month. And as we typically do, we want to continue to take communion together the first Sunday of the month. Now, we're going to have to do it virtually. It's going to be different, but I think it'll be cool. And at this point, I just want to ask you to prepare for that. So buy some bread. Any bread would work, whatever you prefer to take communion with. And make sure you have some juice and some wine uh, or one of those next Sunday because we're going we're gonna to do that together. As I said, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. Trust me. Uh, all right, so this, the message this morning, I'm entitling uh, Love in the Age of Coronavirus. And I ask now that you would grab your Bible and something to write with, a piece of paper and a pen, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. And I'm going to read this whole chapter, 13 verses, uh, for our scripture reading this morning. Before we read, let's just say a quick prayer. Father, we pray now that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you. God, that you would, by the power of your spirit, uh, tailor, make this message for each of us. That we would hear what we each need to hear. That you would help us to make sense of it. And God, we would have the courage to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's read together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Paul writes this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a full-grown person, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Love in the age of coronavirus. You know, just reading there from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it makes me think, contrary to popular belief, Paul did not write this for weddings. 
Yeah, and if you go and you look at the two previous chapters leading up to chapter 13, you'll notice that Paul is addressing church divisions, troubles in the church. There's a lack of love, and so Paul talks about that in chapter 13. And isn't that kind of where we're at? I mean, maybe not necessarily in our church, but uh, certainly in the world. And we've seen that lack of love for the past few years. And these kinds of crises and crises can, can uh, accentuate uh, the good and the bad and the ugly, right? And we're certainly seeing that, a lack of love. And I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, last Sunday, we talked about how perfect love drives out fear. Well, what does love look like practically in the age of coronavirus? Because I think there are many different expressions of it, right? Many different expressions of Christ's love to the world. Let's start with some of the more extreme examples. If you grew up Anabaptist, you're going to be familiar with this story. And if, and if you didn't, uh, maybe you're hearing this for the first time. It is the story of Dirk Willems. Dirk Willems was the 16th century Anabaptist, and Anabaptists, they, they weren't Protestants, they weren't Catholics, but they were caught up in this Protestant Reformation, reviving and renewing the church. And the Anabaptists thought that Protestants didn't go far enough in their reform, and like the separation of church and state, and taking the teachings of Jesus and the peace position seriously. And so that's how they were living. That's what they were doing, and they were persecuted by both Catholics and Protestants for it. And as the story goes with Dirk Willems, this Anabaptist, he is being chased by his Protestant persecutors in, the, in midwinter, and he's crossing this, this frozen lake or river, and he, he, uh, as he's running from his persecutor, the persecutor behind him, this Protestant, falls through the ice, and Dirk Willems, instead of running away, turns, goes back, helps this guy out of the ice, and still they execute him. I mean, isn't that radical love? And many of the Anabaptists were known for this kind of, kind of action and behavior. I can think of other examples of extreme loving. One guy who's really had an influence on me is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Lutheran pastor who lived in the time of the Holocaust and in the, the, the time of the of World War II and the Nazi regime. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a theologian and a pastor who was helping Jews escape the country because they had learned... Uh, what, what the Nazi regime was doing in exterminating them. And, uh, and Bonhoeffer, you remember, is the one who wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. And he said, uh, Christ, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that's exactly what Bonhoeffer did as he was eventually discovered and found out and, and uh, was executed just days before the end of the war. And, and so there, there's Bonhoeffer. Well, what about like Jim Elliott? There's another example. Jim Elliott and the four missionaries in the late 1950s who died in Ecuador trying to reach an unreached people group there. Uh, and Jim Elliott, you, you remember, he was the one that said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's just a powerful statement reflecting the gospel. And I grew up Southern Baptist, so I think of a person like Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was a missionary to China who gave her life uh, to the poor and destitute, even dying among them for the sake of the gospel and the coming kingdom. We could think of BIC missionaries like Sarah Burt, who started an urban mission in Chicago where she served for 50 years among the poor there. A legacy, leaving a legacy uh, behind for Brethren in Christ when it comes to, 
to urban ministry. Uh, we can think of some other BIC missionaries like Marie Traver, who went to Zambia in 1975, and shortly after arriving, she wrote a letter and said, I am willing to give my life for this, for the sake of the gospel, for the people of Zambia. And it was, it was before the end of the year that she falls sick to an illness and dies. Or maybe somebody else like, uh, like Amos Ginder. Some of you in our church uh, may know who Amos was. And Amos died of typhoid in Africa, Africa, giving his life for the gospel. And we, we listen to stories, extreme examples of love like this. And, and of course, it makes us think about the early church. The early church was known for this. In fact, the church uh, grew. This is the foundation, right? What was it? Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Uh, and, and we can see that even through pandemics in the history of the church. One well-known pandemic was during the time of Bishop Cyprian, and it's actually called the Plague of Cyprian because Cyprian wrote so much about it, this Christian bishop who wrote so much about it. And we learned from his writings that, that, that Christians, while everyone else was fleeing, even family and friends, to get away and to save themselves, Christians were staying and being with the sick and the poor and helping those who were in need. And, of course, this continues all throughout church history. I mean, hospitals come about because of the willingness of Christians to give themselves up in the most extreme ways for the sake of the gospel. And this radical love led to explosive growth in the church. As I said, we see this all throughout church history. And why would, why would people do that? I mean, go to the extremes to do that. Folks, it's because Jesus not only taught us this, and said these things, right? Not to abandon the poor and the sick and to give ourselves up, even for our enemies, to lay our, our lives down, uh, that is the greatest expression of love. Um, but Jesus himself did it for us, right? He did that for us. And he told his disciples this. Here's this passage from John, which we hear during Maundy Thursday, uh, and we will hear this Holy Week. He said this, John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And listen to what Jesus said next. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. Like, not by our bumper stickers, not by the way that we vote, uh, not certainly not by the way that we buy toilet paper and paper towels the way that everybody else does. No, by our love, this is how the world will know that we are different, that we belong to the suffering Messiah. But it's not just extreme forms of love that we're called to, if God calls us to that, and we should be willing to do that, but there are other forms of love. Mother Teresa, you remember she is the Catholic nun who gave herself to the leper colony in Calcutta, and uh, she was often asked, like, uh, uh, should I be doing those same, same things? Do I need to, to live in this same way? And, and Mother Teresa said, look, it's it's about doing small things with great love that Jesus calls us to. Sure, Jesus may call us to do something extreme, but for most of us, it, it is about simply doing small things with great love. So let's ask that question. What are some small things that we can do with great love? And here are just a few things that I jotted down. Maybe you can think of some more, uh, and I'd ask us to do that. But here are some small things that we can do with great love. The first one right now in this pandemic is to stay home. We know about germs today. We know about how this works. 
how it works. And, and scientists and experts are saying, please stay home. And this isn't out of fear. It shouldn't be out of fear, church. It ought to be uh, because we care not just about our own families, but we care about others, especially high-risk people, uh, older folks, and people with, with uh, immune deficiencies. We're thinking about them. We're not hiding in our homes out of fear. We're, we're, we're staying in our homes out of love. So maybe, maybe uh, well, I do think this is something we all can do. And while we're at home, how about this? One small thing that we can do with great love is use, utilize social media in some positive ways. I mean, we've certainly over the last several years seen how social media has been used in some very destructive ways. How about utilizing social media to encourage our neighbors, to share the love, to pass on the love? Uh, we can all do this. We can all do that. How about encouraging life-sustaining businesses? Uh, th- that's another way, a, a small thing that we can do with great love. You know, just yesterday I uh, went to my grocery store while I was there getting some groceries, I said, can I, can I talk to your manager? And I, I, I had a conversation with the manager. I said, hey, I'm a pastor, Grantham Church, and I'm just thinking about our congregation and other congregations. What can we do to serve you? What do you need from us? And he said, well, if you could get our trucks here on time, that would be great, sort of jokingly. And then he said, seriously, thank you for asking that question. Uh, what people can do, people can buy their groceries like they normally do and not freak out. It's not helping us. We can't keep up with all of this work. Uh, We've never seen anything like this before. And if people could just buy their groceries as usual, that would be be greatly appreciated. Uh, And I also said, well, uh, are you hiring people? He said, yes, on the spot cashiers and stalker, uh, uh, stalkers uh, uh, for the shelves. So uh, think about that. You could ask your local grocery store manager, or maybe how about call up a hospital, or ask doctors and nurses, what can we do? Stop and pray for them. These are simple things, small things that we can do with great love. And just uh, think about this. When you go to the store, don't grab more than you need. I give you an example of this. Like, I actually have to have non-fluoride or fluoride-free toothpaste, because if I, if I use fluoride toothpaste, I know this sounds strange, it's, it's even taken some dentist by, by surprise, but it's true. If I use fluoride toothpaste, my uvula swells up and I have to get a shot. I have some kind of allergic reaction to it. So, I mean, things like that. I mean, maybe you just don't like fluoride and you do that out of preference. Um, but, but think about people and maybe other products that you're just doing out of preference, but actually other people need. So don't take more than you need. And think about others when you buy and the purchase that you make. Check on your neighbors. That's something else that you can do. Call, holler across the, 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 the yard or call them on the phone and say, what do you need? What can I do? I'm going to the store. Can I get something for you? I don't know. Some way... We can serve people doing small things with great love. Because we need to ask ourselves these questions. What will, be, what will we be known for now? What are we being known for now? And what will we be known for after this is all over? I mean, we have an opportunity, like the church in the past, to show great love and to win people to the gospel, win them to Jesus, to show them that we do, in fact, carry with us something that, that is different than, than the rest of the world that you can get anywhere else. And it's Jesus, right? Amen? It's Jesus. While the rest of the world is fearful, panicked, and self-centered, will we show love? I'm encouraging us to do that in this age of coronavirus. Because here's the truth, folks. This crisis will reveal, already is now revealing, what we believe. And the world is watching. So let's live in love in the age of coronavirus. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 
this is where that live and love language comes from. Paul said this, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Listen to what Paul is saying. In the original language there, imitators, comes from this word mimetai. Listen to that. Mimetai, mimic, mimic God. And of course we know God, is, God uh, has fully revealed himself in Jesus. And that is who we ought to mimic. To mimic Jesus and live in love in the way that Christ has lived in love and given himself up for us. So as we come to the end of this message, I want you, if you're taking notes, to jot a few things down. Let's answer this question together. How do we live in love in the age of coronavirus? Three things, just to keep it simple like last week, so that we can apply this to our lives. Number one, how do we live in love in the age of coronavirus? Number one, don't look to blame or scapegoat people. Folks, the people of God cannot participate in this kind of thing, right? I mean, this kind of thing, when we look to blame and scapegoat people, whether we, we want to say it's a Chinese virus, folks, think about what this does for Asian people. The body of Christ should have nothing to do with that, right? We're not looking to blame. We're not the disciples who come to Jesus and say, why is this guy like this? Do you remember that? And Jesus says, it's not his own sins. It's not his parents' sins. Uh, it, life is much more mysterious than that. Uh, it, the, the point is that we're always looking for someone to blame, but we should, instead of, instead of asking that question, who do we blame, we should be asking the question, who can we help? Who can we help? Uh, because we, we can't be going around pointing the fingers at the Republicans, it's the Democrats, and they wouldn't want to pass this bill, and, or it's this person's fault. We can have nothing to do with that, folks. We shouldn't have anything to do with that. Instead, we need to be people of love. Don't ask who we can blame. Ask instead, who can we help? Number two, number two, remember, love takes many forms. Remember that love takes many forms. Ask the Spirit right now to reveal to you what it is that God wants you to do. It may not be some extreme thing like we started off in this message. It may be something simple, small things with great love. The Spirit will reveal this to you. I truly believe it. We have a God who talks to us directly. But maybe you want to uh, pray to God about it. And maybe you want to hear the voice of God through a family or friends or your small group. But remember, love takes many forms. Let's be creative, church. And then lastly, number three. Number three, love them until they ask you why. Isn't that great? Love them until they ask us why. In other words, do something so selfless, so unexpected, so otherworldly, so kingdom that people have to stop and say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this for me? I mean, that is the kind of love that we need to be putting on display. So how do we live in love in the age of coronavirus? Three things. Here they are again. Number one, don't look to blame or scapegoat people. Number two, remember that love takes many forms and number three, love them until they ask us why. Brothers and sisters, what is God calling you to do? How is the Spirit calling you to live in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you on the cross? What creative acts of love might God want to give birth to through you and through our church in the coming weeks? Let's think about that. Let's pray about that together. Let's do that. I hope you'll think about it. I hope you'll pray about it and talk about that with your family and friends and with your small group. And let's be intentional in how we live in love in the age of coronavirus. And let's see 
what God might do through us in the midst of this crisis and after it is over. Pray with me. Father, we ask for wisdom and discernment now. Holy Spirit, show us how to live in love in the age of coronavirus. Lord, we we say our hearts are open. Whatever you ask of us, we will do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Hey, church, one final thing. Remember, as we all settle into new rhythms of life that will last for several more weeks and possibly longer, could be months, that your pattern of giving is vital to the ongoing ministries of Grantham Church, and it helps us to be prepared to help those in our congregation and in our community who will need us in the days ahead as the coronavirus continues to impact our economy. And I want you to know that our staff is working hard right now to find creative ways to minister to our church family from a distance, and we hope that uh, you are blessed and encouraged by knowing that, by, by our efforts. And as you know, we are a congregation of deep faith and commitment, as evidenced by the faithfulness of so many who've shared this ministry with us over the years. So during this time, I would ask that you would continue that commitment, if you are able. It really does make a difference. If you'd like to give during this time, you can mail a check to the church, or you can move your giving online by going to our website at grantthechurch.org and simply clicking on the Giving tab. As I've said before, we know this is a time of financial stress for many of you, so if you can't continue to give, we understand. We really do. And please know that we are praying for you and the financial stability of all of our members. So don't worry. Folks, we will get through this together. And I just want to thank you again for your prayerful support. And may God continue to bless Grantham Church as we live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Go in peace, church. Have a great week.